I can rebuild my deck. Agroflex or defensive. Tell me, Randall, now when did you last build a deck from scratch? Unbelievable builds. Indescribable combos. Scoring less than 12 glory is enough to win a match. A whole new game. A new fantastic choice of cards. No need to tech for ghouls or Hrothgorn too. Or you survive a whole new game A dazzling space I never knew Now my deck builder's clear And you'll sorry they've restricted tough and hide a whole new game. Go with the Nurgle. Almost a thousand Maybe cards with lost pages. Ripa can be a star. We've come so far. I can't go back to how it's a whole used. new game. How about Tom's placed on Drachnar? With new card combos, switch was better. I'll place tomes anywhere The meta's bare Let me share this whole new game with you A whole new game That's where we'll be That's where we'll be A thrilling space A wondrous place For you and Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. I am Max Bernstein. I am Randall Slate. We're super happy to be back because we finally have something to freaking talk about. But before we do, I just want to give a quick personal shout out to GW, um, everybody. I just want to say um, when I bought the Worm Spat, um, the expansion, started putting those little, little stinkeroos together. I noticed that the little face of the little nurgling on my sprues was missing. And I sent them an email and I said, Hey guys at GW, the little face of my nurgling is missing. And they're like, all right, we got you. I'm like, cool. And then like three months later, they just sent me a whole new expansion. So I have like the nurgling face now, but I also have like the rest of the expansion. So big shout out to GW for their super awesome, if a little slow, uh, customer service. But I understand it's crazy right now. Uh, so I just want to say thanks to GW. Um, also, uh, Randall Nova canceled. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough that one. That's a, that's a big blow. Yeah. But it was like, do you, it was supposed to be the 
world championship for yeah. Underworlds at that. And even if they hadn't canceled Nova, I'm not sure a lot of people, you know, a lot of people would come, uh, international people would come over for that. So yeah, it's kind it's of probably a for the best that they, that they canceled it. Well, I mean, more for the fact that there's a pandemic, but right. yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been a, a dubious enterprise anyway. Um, but I was still looking forward to it. I love going down there and, and, and seeing, seeing everybody. It was like my one, you know, it was like the one thing that I went to a year. Uh, so I'm kind of yeah, really that's our bummed about one. that. It is. Well, it's my, it's by default, my favorite one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so everybody out there, uh, just a little note to those of you who were planning on going to Nova and got that, um, uh, got the, the, the news, uh, just a little side thing. You may want to consider, um, taking a, a partial refund or no refund at all. And, uh, the reason why I say that is because I want Nova to be there next year. And um, those guys down there, they uh, they have to spend a lot of money on storage for all that stuff. And, you know, I think licensing for getting all of like the vendors and stuff so that there's a lot of overhead there. Um, so just out there, if you're planning on, um, you know, taking a full refund for Nova, really just think about that for a second um, before you do that. Um, also, don't forget, I think any of the uh, the money that goes to the their charitable organizations, um, my understanding is that that stuff is like Doctors Without Borders, which is like one of the best things to donate money to. So, um, so again, if you're going to ask if you're going to ask for a refund, you should really kind of think about that and ask questions first and, and figure out what what is really the best thing to do there. Um, I'm considering maybe even not taking one because um, I definitely want it to be there next year because I want to be able to go back because it's pretty awesome yeah i think you're anyway. able to defer to next year also if it... yeah they they need the funds so i'm just saying keep an eye on that um so that's that um more news uh, uh vassal clash 3 coming up on uh july 25th this is a remarkably ambitious 128 slot tournament that will take place over two days. Um, I am already signed up and uh, you guys should jump in there. Uh, that sounds like it's going to be crazy and I cannot wait. So, uh, so look out for that, get on there. And uh, I think, I think, uh, I think Benny is the one who's running that one. Yeah. Those I, are the only things really going on right now. So those are the best. Yeah. Uh... Well, that's a lot more than we had, you know, a month ago. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and then of course, uh, GW farted, I'm sorry, uh, released a, for, uh, forbidden and restricted tech list. Um, so we will, uh, we're going to spend the bulk of this episode kind of just going over that. And, um, cause that's all we got still waiting on orcs, still waiting on snake lady, still waiting. All right. Randall, anything uh, you want to talk about before we get started? Uh, not really. It's just that, you know, that that this is the only piece of news we have coming up. We haven't seen like a real article on how those two new factions uh, yeah. play. And I don't think we even know when they're actually coming out. So but this this is this is pretty significant what happened. So we're going to oh, this we're is gonna very go over it. It's going to be it's going to take a while. Oh. All right, well, let's let's get started without further ado. Um, so uh, first of all, we have a new Forsaken card. 
Uh, the remember, Forsaken cards are cards you cannot use uh, in competitive play. Uh, and this one is Hunter's Reflexes, um, which was basically just a make Hrothgorn a freaking nightmare card. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the one that allows you to, he can push himself after basically every action that your, his opponent takes because he always makes his opponent's quarries. Um, and it also was blocking a lot of reactions. Um, and, and so it really kind of just made him a terror, uh, which is understandable. I don't think that, that they kind of anticipated that interaction. Um, and so I think that it's really interesting that they pulled out a card simply because of how it interacts with one particular fighter because i don't feel like the other ones have done that yet you know when you look at uh you know forsaken cards and let me make sure i'm looking at the right list over here um you know usually the the forsaken cards were more because of the confusion that they created and how people were not really using them properly um so like extreme flank keep them guessing aggressive defense and upper hand are all ones that were kind of like difficult to understand how they worked and um a lot of people especially newer players like didn't really understand what to do with them and were using them wrong so they were like unintended but hunter's reflexes is the, i think the first one they forsake forsook put on the forsaken list um simply because of the way it interacts with like one fighter yeah they were a lot of the other forsaken cards were put on there because almost everybody took them like almost everybody took extreme yeah, flank and yeah. upper hand and stuff like that but this one seems targeted at one specific warband with yep. just a just a very powerful effect that felt kind of bad to to play against and if we want to go over it it's basically hunter's reflexes says it's a reaction where um wherever whenever a quarry performs an action you can push the upgraded fighter one hex. So what that would do is because Hrothgorn uh, just kind of passively makes every enemy fighter a quarry, he could activate Whether they're the, on the yeah. field or not, by the way, because right? Apparently if they're dead, they're also considered a quarry. Yeah. But they can't make actions if they're dead, but the, but if, right. if any, anytime any of your opponent's models did anything, he could do this. He could activate this reaction. Right, and that so would just... that would be that would block a lot of different things. Like you, if you had like a reaction to moving or charging, or something like that, he could he could block it just by pushing himself one. Right, and then on top of that, he was just crawling around the board with all that range and all that power. Right, that that effect is really yeah. powerful too. We see that in uh, what's it? Um, Scritch has something like that, and the, the yeah. Nurgle have something like that. But it doesn't, you know, it's it usually only reacts after they do something, not your opponent. Right, not your opponent. And I think this was yeah. this card was meant to be something that was like difficult to set up with like a strong payoff. Right. But um, because but of the way just... that Hrothgorn works, it you didn't it didn't require any setup. You just put this upgrade on him, and, and uh, you, you didn't have to like there. you didn't yeah. have to like play a card or do anything that would make anyone a quarry where you could get the payoff for this effect. So, uh, so peace out, Hunter's Reflex. We hardly knew ye. Yeah. Uh, first, and that's not really a big deal uh, for anybody Hearth, except nah. for Hrothgorn. Except for Hrothgorn, but yeah. honestly, he was kind of destroying things anyway. Uh, especially in like on the Vassal tournaments, you know, Hrothgorn won both Vassal, big Vassal tournaments against you know in big fields. It was Hrothgorn twice, and even one of the finals was like double Hrothgorn. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I kind of feel bad for Hrothgorn. I gotta tell you, 
you know, like GW, uh, sorry, sorry, not GW, like well, Grimwatch, so GW, but Grimwatch is what I was going out with there. And, and, you know, they at least, you know, when they had broken the game, when, you know, they at least had their time to shine. You know, they at least got to go and just dominate the scene for a couple of months and, 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 you know, win, win this grand clash and that grand clash and whatever. And like, they actually got to a few wins on the board. Frothgorn, because of the whole pandemic thing, never got to crush the competition. Like, like we, we caught that before he did any damage. And it's kind of like, you know, Hrothgorn's like the 1994 expos of, uh, of underworlds, because if you know, like the, the 94 season in baseball got like cut off because of a strike. So, and the expos for the first time in their entire existence were like in first place and had a really good chance of winning the world series. And then they just got screwed by this thing that had nothing to do with the game. And I feel like that's what happened to Rothcorn here. And we'll talk about it because there's a lot of other stuff that got the uh, course corrected there. Uh, ready to move on to the restricted cards. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we were complaining about these two cards uh, in an earlier episode with Gerard talking about Hrothgorn. Gerard the Professor was uh, talking to us about um, these uh, these glory multipliers that uh, were kind of running amok in the game and running up the scores and everybody had them. Um, so uh, GW took a look at that because I'm sure they're listening and uh, they're like, you know what? Those guys are so correct. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, like, we should really get rid of these two cards. And they got rid of uh, Combination Strike. Not going to get rid of it. I mean, it's restricted. I, I saw it and, you know, I've seen people play it. Um, but Combination Strike and Opening Gambit are now restricted. So if you want to throw those things in there and multiply your glory, it's going to come at a price. Yeah, this is interesting because, like, uh, these cards, um, they weren't they they weren't necessarily auto score cards. Like, getting Combination Strike was at least sort of difficult and it could sort of brick your opening hand sometimes like if you drew two end phase objectives and combination strike that's yeah that was pretty bad never take it or it would be right. like the last card in your deck and you'd never see it really or right. you'd score it after you you'd, you'd score you'd, you'd draw it in like the third round after you scored all your surge objectives already um yeah so it it is kind of interesting that they're forsaken but or, or sorry restricted but um, I think the the thing that the the point that we made in the in the other episode was like, if you if two players have sort of a similar deck with similar skill level, and one person draws, you know, combination strike and two surges, in, the, the, yeah, in their opening the hand, then yeah. it would just allow them to snowball much faster than the the opponent and just get like be, gain this insurmountable advantage. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing about these two that I didn't like is that you didn't have to do anything particular in the game to get them to score. It's not like you had to move over there or stand on that or kill that thing or be a certain, you know, distance away. Like, it was just like you score surges. Well, there's yeah, six surges yeah, in your, run through your, your deck. deck and, like, you're going yeah. to just run through your deck. So there wasn't anything, like, like, extravagant you had to do to get these things to score. And I think that that's the reason why they were so powerful, but also kind of not great for the game. So I'm, I'm cool with them being restricted. So now they're, if you want to take them, that's fine. But they come in at added at an added price. And um, what do you think about this one? What do you think about combo strike? Does people still play this now? Uh, I feel like some people probably are Probably not. <clears throat> because, like, there's yeah. no faction that can take more surges than another faction. And also, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, there's a limit 
of six, and also it's like some some factions had surges that were like easier to score than others. Yeah, or or um, or they had ones that meshed well with their warband better than others. Right. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. And then combination strike was that you that you were always um taking on a certain amount of risk playing combination strike in your deck because of what we yep. mentioned earlier, where like, if you draw end phase objectives with it, or it it's on the bottom of your deck. Um, yeah. So I don't think I, I, you might see opening gambit still, but, and, but combination strike, I, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. That's going to be tough I, yeah. because there's, they added all these other things to the restricted list. So like, I you know, think, depending on I what warband you're the... playing, it's going to be tough to fit this into your deck. I think both of them are going to be tough, actually, because I yeah. think Combo Strike is just, like, I think it's just now that it's restricted. It's just too costly to put in the deck. But even, like, Opening Gambit, I think, is is the same, because I think that it's just, like, for one... Yeah, it's a one-glory end phase card, yeah. Glory, like, if it was a Surge, maybe, like, some people still take Scrum. Some people still take, you know, Calculated Risk all the time. But but Opening Gambit at the end of the thing, I think you can find something else that's probably a little bit better and doesn't, like, require a slot. Um, the other thing is, is that I hope that people are going to dive more into the faction specifics, um, because it just puts more flavor in the game. And I, I, I like it when people use faction specifics rather than, um, universals as right. much as they can. I feel like most people put both of these in their deck. I think almost that these all were the time includes all the, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think that they were, I don't know. We'd have to look at the data on that, but, um, we're, we're not a very data driven show. We're more of a shoot from the hip. Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of group but i mean for me i i felt like i saw these two guys all the time and an opening gambit i'd put in basically every deck no matter what because it's just such an easy throw it in there yeah these were kind of the first two objectives that i would throw into a deck when yeah. i was making a deck from scratch we like gotta have these oh i hate and... combo strike yeah like i would never put in combo strike i've been just snake bit by that card way too many times uh but uh you know drawing up you know fired up opening gambit and 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 combo strike like that's happened to me way too many times so yeah. i just stopped putting it in there because <laughs> i just was having bad luck um so i stopped using combo strike and then uh but opening gambit i used in everything so it's okay I, I don't really care if it's gone i think that i'll find something more interesting and we might see uh more like uh what's the uh gathered momentum we might see even more of that yeah, that was already a pretty good card. So yeah, it was. We might see more of that because that's uh, sort of similar to combination strike, but it also has that way of um. I think where you, I think if you that, move five. Yeah, yeah, but I I don't think obviously I don't think you take that obviously in like uh, you know like curse breakers or something like uh -huh. that. But uh, but certainly something that already has that. So like maybe with uh you know the the wolf riders maybe with um you know grimwatch if you're still playing grimwatch like then then you use it um as long as you have a five somewhere a five uh range somewhere in your warband i think yeah you take that one too all right uh ready to go on yep all right uh we're gonna go to the power cards now um a few uh new ones on the list some seem like kind of a good idea some yeah. I don't know. Uh, start with a uh, blazing soul. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I didn't really think it needed to go on the list. So blazing but, uh, soul is a upgrade where yeah. when you upgrade this, this fighter becomes inspired. Yeah. I, I, I can see that being an issue again with Frothcorn and of course, Molog. Yeah. But you know, like that was a card that I kind of leaned on when I was playing Banshees. 
um, because they're, uh, you know, to have them inspired before they attack was really very powerful. And I needed to, you know, like, I, you know, I needed to, to, you have to get a glory already, so you can't just use it right away. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was an unbalanced card. I think it's unbalanced in particular factions. Yeah. So, which might be the reason why they did it, of course. Um, yeah, it could be, a... you know, targeted at Hrothgor, and he was definitely targeted pretty heavily with Very this heavily. Um, right. with this update. And it just sort of got rid of it. It, it allowed him to inspire without... Because Hrothgor, in order to inspire, he needs to kill a fighter that's adjacent to him. And then his stats become a lot better. So it's like, yeah, like it, he was better. able to... Yeah you know, get powered up before taking on much risk. And the same thing with Molog, too. He needed to take damage to get inspired, yeah. so... So it, maybe what I should say is Blazing Soul needed to get restricted, but I'm annoyed because I think there's a lot of collateral damage on this one. I don't know. I, I don't think this was really used by too many warbands outside of those two. And maybe... No? Maybe well, uh, Banshees. Yeah. I mean, I love my Banshee list. I'm, I'm going to have to like yeah. mess around with that now. All right. Maybe maybe that's just personal. Uh, Cryptic Companion. Restricted. We, I mean, we saw that coming, right? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. the second we saw this card, we were like, oh, when when is this going to get yeah, restricted? They, they, yeah. I can't even believe that that's coming out. Like, all you have to do is plop a guy down on, on an objective, and if you can get it early enough in the game, you could potentially pull three glory out of that. And you don't even have to like do an activation or anything like that. Yeah, just gotta stand on it. That's it. Yeah. So I, mean, I was I was it, abusing that with the Thundrix. You know, yeah. I would just lop Thundrix down on something, throw that on him, and just have him just be a turret. Right. It was good in almost every deck, pretty much. Yeah. There was like a you lot saw, of decks saw, that Yeah, as long as you have one fighter who mm -hmm. can sort of hang in the back, it it sort of gave them a a purpose. Where you can right. just sort of sit back there and and rack up some points yeah, instead of throw um, it on, throwing throw them it on in Fecula, the forward. You throw it on a petitioner. You yeah. throw it on Narvia. Whatever you want to do, throw it on um, the Blue Horror. Probably be better. Um, yeah, there was a lot of groups where you you might do that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was uh, OP and it was pretty ubiquitous. So that's uh, you know top two reasons to put him on the restricted list, and that's where it is. Yep. Uh, frenzied search. Yeah, so um, this is a so... ploy where you you have to be on an objective and then you discard a card and you draw three. Right, which is so powerful yeah. in this game. Yeah, and it's not like unnatural truce, which I I know I poo pooed na unnatural truce. In fact, I think I called it a stupid card mm -hmm. um, because it is a stupid card. Because why would you want to give it to a card to your opponent? But there there was one like niche reason to use it, which ended up becoming a big deal because Frothgorn was deck milling, which we had talked about as well. And um, and so that that element, if you have a natural truce and you're trying to like just go through your entire deck, then you do play it. And the and the uh, the cost is you give your opponent a power card. And that's kind of a small price to pay to make sure that you get to the end and, and then score to the end. Right. Um, and then the other thing was you saw it a lot in uh, Curse Breakers so that mm -hmm. they could draw into just more draw spells. All yeah, yeah, all their spells. All their spell cards and score their, right. uh, you know, their objectives that required you to cast four spells in one round or something like that. Exactly. But 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 Frenzied Search is a lot less balanced just because 
you first of all you throw away a card you're not going to use anyway so that actually takes a lot that it actually takes the junk out of your hand yeah and then you get to refill it with three cards so so it costs just an activation but you know you can you know with an activation just like land on a on a on an objective maybe just in the course of moving your guys around um and then you throw away a card you don't want and then you uh you gain two extra cards so so and then you also thin your your deck out a lot it just there was a lot of stuff that it could do for you and only for you because again it's not like a natural truce where you give your opponent something it's it's all for you um and if you tech around it it became a really big deal yeah and the 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 best thing about it was that you could just use those cards right away you know especially mm. with uh with with curse breakers you could you know do that you could you could play this and then potentially play all three of those cards that you just drew right. and that combos really nicely into into uh, frantic exchange yeah uh, it combos really nicely into any of those, you know, surges like faction specific surges where they're like, you know, like spac faction specific surges where it's kind of like Ploymaster, you know, like I know mm -hmm. the, the spoilers have one and I know there's another one that has it too. Hrothgorn um, had it. Hroth there you go. Um, and then, and then you have the, um, you know, any of those back and forth ones where like, if you play, you know, you know, uh, five, you know, or whatever it is, you know. Oh, oh so Hrothgorn had one where if you just play, like, three power cards, right? It yeah. doesn't have to be ploys. And then there's Frantic Exchange, which is just five things get played. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I just, Frenzy Search was really powerful, and I think it belongs on the restricted list. Yeah, just the fact that you can use those cards right away. Like, maybe if it said, like, uh, <clears throat> after you use this, you can't play any more cards or something like that. It might have been a little bit more balanced. Like if they took the part about oh, yeah. being on an objective, if they took that out and then just said, you cannot play any more cards in this power step, it would or be a little bit both. more balanced. But the fact that you can just kind of yeah. do an action, do this, draw yeah. three more, keep doing yeah. stuff, you know, it was it, it became a little ridiculous. All right. So so there it is, and we think it belongs there. And you know what? I got to tell you something. I think there's some decks that still choose it. Oh yeah, definitely. Very, I think you still play this in, in Curse Breakers, yeah. Yep. But right. uh, uh, it, it was getting pretty ubiquitous, and put everybody was putting it in pretty much every yeah. deck. And if, and if you're playing to the end, which is not restricted, I think you have to put this in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. All right. Nightmare in the Shadows. So Nightmare in the Shadows is just distraction by another name, and distraction, as we know, is a pretty amazing card. And they've done this before where they've had two cards of different names that do both decently powerful effects. And uh, they took one away like they did it with Incredible Strength. Um, uh, and and that's that's fine. Here's my beef with this. Okay. And, and it, it is not an in-game like mechanics issue. The issue is with how you get the card. Um, in the Beastgrave season, Nightmare in the Shadows comes out of one of the expansions. To get Distraction, which is the same card, you either have to have bought the Iron Skulls uh, expansion from a long time ago or the Gift Pack. And both of those are kind of harder to find. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, nowadays right, it's so, very difficult to find so, Iron Skull right. Boys new or the Gift Pack new. Right, so I think it would have been a little bit more fair to newer players, especially, um, because maybe their only you know pull push 
another, you know, an opponent's fighter is Nightmare in the Shadows. Maybe that's the only one they have in their collection because there are no gift packs available and there are no Iron Skulls available either. So I, I find it funny that they did uh, Nightmare in the Shadows rather than restricting distraction, which I think would have made more sense just from the point of view of it. Nightmare in the Shadows is the easier one to find and have in your collection. So if the, you know, if, if that's like important to the deck that you're constructing, but you don't, you know, have any of the season one stuff because you didn't play back then it's, I think it's a little unfair to those people, but um, so I, I understand the restricting of one of them. It makes sense. Um, but I, I just feel like they picked the wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And it could be, it could be, they put this on there for like the future where if, if for example they in the next season maybe they phase out the the gift pack maybe that become maybe that goes into into relic format i'm not really sure was the gift pack was that s2 or s3 that was in season three season but three, they might so... they might decide to to retire that oh, i don't know yes yeah, anyway. so, but know. I, you know we don't know but if if they do then distraction will will go away and then if we'll just distraction goes away, though, do you think Nightmare in the Shadows comes off the list? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I say yes. I, I think I think, those, I think yeah, is distraction fine. is a good card. It's not you know, the problem uh, is having it's, two. it's good. It's not like overly oppressive, but yeah, having two is pretty pretty good. Yeah. So maybe they it, wanted it's to good, but, yeah, it's too, it's oh, it's powerful to have two, which is why they had to restrict yeah. one of them. Again, I just think they did the wrong one. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, Restless Prize. Mm -hmm. So that's on the restricted list. I understand because it's powerful and it combos really well with a lot of other cards. Yeah, just just real quick, Re Restless Prize is a card. You it's a ploy. You play it, and you're able to move. You're able to shift one of the objective tokens two spaces. Right? right? It's two. Not spaces. through a block Three. text anymore. I can't do well, that. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Give a say. But it was it able it it was a card that you could play where you could move the objective token. Um, so I think that this, see, the thing is, I feel like they're doing a lot here to kind of tone down objective play. And I think they may have overcorrected a little bit. Like they've taken away cryptic companion. They've taken away now restless prize. They've taken away uh survival instincts, which we'll get to in a second, which was also like a standard objectives helpful yeah. thing. Um, you know, just like a lot of that stuff. And they may have overcorrected at this point, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. Mm -hmm. um but i understand like i would use restless prize in conjunction with like jealous defense i would use the restless prize in conjunction with uh you know a temporary victory or in the name of the king uh both of which are restricted now we'll get to that in a minute so i i understand because there's a lot you could do with this you can restless prize something on top of you and then frenzied search you can restless prize something under uh underneath you rather and then uh, cryptic companion um, there was just a lot of stuff you can do with the Restless Prize. And then, of course, there was that one point in every game where you would play Restless Prize and your opponent would play Restless Prize and just put it right back. So it was just a waste of time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I, I understand that it is powerful. Um, yeah, it was it was it becoming pretty like, ubiquitous in everyone's deck yeah. um, because of the fact that it was one of the only ways you could play around the Grim Watch uh, in the name of the King, or the Thorns, uh, you know, doing temporary victory or something like that. This is this is really right. your only counterplay. You know, being able to move the objective off or move their fighter well, off with distractions is the only other one. Right, right. 
Um, there's so much other stuff you can do with Restless Prize, and and to push it too, that's far. Yeah, and then the other thing is like the, um, they they have started printing more cards where they're not necessarily geared towards you know standing on objectives to score your objective cards, but like cards like Jealous Defense, for example, you need to be on an objective to use it. Right. Um, so they're, they're printing more cards where the restriction to playing this really powerful card is you need to be on an objective and Wrestle's Prize was, it became like, I guess, too easy. You didn't need to spend an activation to be on an objective marker in I order to activate that. I wonder if there's like something coming up in the next couple of expansions where Wrestle's Prize would be really oppressive in combo. Um, I mean, it already is. It, it already, already is was. Pretty yeah, impressive, yeah. Right. So I wonder if there's just like it's going to go even further. Um, yeah. So... And, then, and then the other thing, it was just stupid when, you know, I remember playing against you plenty of times where you were you'd be like, I'm going to play Restless Prize. And I'd be like, just just don't bother. I'm just going to play. my. I right. just put my <laughs> Restless Prize card down. We'll just, just throw and, this card away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, just okay. don't don't waste my time here. Just just put right. it back where it was. And you'd be like, oh, OK, well, because <laughs> I would always that, that was like like another thing that I would do. Like I got to the point where every time I played Restless Prize, I'm like, so you're going to you're going to put it back. Yeah. You're going to put it back. No. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like this really just really bad anxiety right before I was going to play it. Um, so Grimwatch is pissed off at that, but you know what? Screw them. They had their day. Um, moving on. Uh, survival instincts. Um, so good with the new Beastgrave rules uh, about how you can't be pushed off of things if you're on guard. Um, so I understand why they did this. It's especially oppressive on um fighters that get so two, many two dodges uh, yeah. two or, or even or even there's some where you know you can throw three on there you know like if you have um something with um uh spectral you know, armor what, uh, spectral armor right exactly um yeah, when you or, have the, bri or, uh, the briar queen with spectral yeah, armor and, siphon. and uh this survival instincts <clears throat> and and sub and what is subsistence siphon or substance siphon where you get like in, in the last phase with you would have an extra attack uh an extra defense die mm -hmm. like it would be impossible to kill something and maybe that you know maybe that's the fighter that's causing the problems because uh usually the ones that have like multiple defense dice are like really strong fighters as well um so i can see why they did this um and the and and the fact that it that the the guy becomes a quarry doesn't really do enough to offset it um right it's not really a drawback at all enough right and not enough yeah uh so yeah so there you go um so i'm not surprised they got rid of it uh yeah it was really it was way too good and that. then with the way the beast grave rules came where if you're on yeah. guard you can't be pushed it allowed you know fighters to yeah, stand on the play. objectives and you couldn't you you basically had to kill them or use a card to move them off the objective <clears throat> all right you couldn't uh, go for the push yeah we got one more uh one more Universal uh, Trophy Belt, uh -huh. uh, which, of course, is Tome of Offerings Light, um, which kind of sucks. And again, I'm going to I'm going to blame Prothgorn for this because Prothgorn was the one who kind of ruined it for everybody. You know, having Trophy Belt with, you know, Despoilers or, um, you know, Rippers. Rippers is like not really like it's it, it's a powerful card, but I don't know if it's like a card that you need to, you know, restrict. But Hrothkorn, Jesus. I mean, it was like just, it was get, becoming oppressive. Killing, killing things and getting a, you know, three glory swing every time you kill. You can go around killing little chain rasps. 
and just just three glory thank you three glory thank you three glory thank you yeah it was i think having the combination of trophy belt and tome of offerings uh kind of helped out more aggro style decks and factions Mm -hmm. in the you know previous beast grave meta where standing on the you could score 20 points for standing on the objectives and not really interacting with your opponent too much and then having this the the trophy belt and tome of offerings combo allowed the aggro warbands to sort of keep keep up in points but i think mm-hmm. since they've adjusted um the adje- objective play so much with this list i think this is fine to put on the restricted yeah. list and it's way yeah, worse I mean, than than tome of offerings too it, it's kind of interesting cuz you have you, you have to be a hunter oh, it's not, and it's it, not as good yeah yeah you yeah, have, have to be a hunter more. and you have to uh they have to be adjacent to you i believe uh i don't remember that is that true yeah you definitely have to be a hunter that i know uh hold on a second trophy uh do you have to be no oh yeah yeah it does have to be adjacent yeah Okay, so, so you can't it, have yeah, Rothborn I mean, just, is... like, shoot someone or, like, you know, anybody from, like, Skates just, like, shooting and scoring it. Whereas, or with Tome of Offerings, you, you can shoot and still do it. That's why it was good in Thundric. Mm. Um, trophy Belt is a little bit more restrictive, but I think just having the having access to both of them, yeah. yeah, was maybe a little bit too... They, they didn't like the direction that was going. All right. So uh, those are all the universals. And lo and behold surprising move uh it surprised me to i mean like i thought it needed to happen but i'm still surprised they did it is that they started uh restricting faction specifics right and uh we have a few and they're kind of obvious well a lot of people have been asking for this especially us and you know on a lot of different a lot lot of people have been asking for this to happen because a lot of times what 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 we were finding was like they would try to target a certain warband with this restricted list, like they would, like I remember, like two two uh, updates ago, it was like we're really trying to take curse breakers down a peg, and they restricted like sorcerer's flourish and right. uh, well of power and stuff like that. But it just and, screwed and, off, and, and it ended up yeah, it, yeah. It, it didn't it didn't really affect the curse breakers too much, but it really affected other warbands who really Eyes wanted to nine, try to use magic Guardians. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so now that we have, if if they want to make adjustments to specific warbands, they can now do it without causing all that collateral damage to other warbands that weren't even a problem, really. And I think that that's the smarter thing to do, because um, you know, like remember they they play test these warbands, you know, months and months in advance, and they don't know what the meta is going to look like when they actually like drop. So it's really, really hard to consider what's going to happen, you know, months and months down the road. So they, they, uh, they do the best they can at the time. Um, but when the, when the war band comes out, they, they may end up being OP and we've seen this happen before. Um, so I think that the best way to course correct that is to actually target the war band. Um, and, and I think that this was very smart. I don't feel as though any of these went overboard. Um, and, uh, you know, all of them are very powerful cards that they wrote. So like, for instance, let's start with the Grimwatch, which definitely needed a little bit of a toning down, um, in the name of the King. Um, if they, if you have temporary victory and in the name of the King, 
and like what is that one good ghoul call or whatever it is and like no not ghoul call what's the one where you can move the ghouls the crypt ghouls i don't know i, I never I really know. Played there, there, there's the one where you could do it like that's what i would do is that i would i would set up uh you know i would if i had that in my hand i would i would set up that card in the power step put two guys on uh on an objective and then i would use the uh the activation to stand on something now i have three temporary victories gone got uh, is, is scored pack the name advance. Of the sword. pack advance there you go pack advance oh no, yeah yeah pack advance that's right um and then um you know and then and then there's your combo strike you know so you you can have this kind of like um th- th- this th- th- that god hand and there should not be a faction where you simply get get that every so often for just for picking that faction, you know, because obviously you're going to put these cards in. So I, I'm glad that they restricted this card. It makes it more expensive now. It's harder to pull off and you actually have to make the choice. Do I want to put these cards in there or do I want to try something else? And in the Grimwatch, they've really needed that um, that objective play toned down a lot. There's still a very strong warband, but it just it needed it needed to be toned down. Um, and then uh, shifting madness, which is the one where you like stand on the objective that matches the turn number. Um, it, it's just really hard to play against because yeah. you don't you don't know where that objective is going to be because you know you don't you can't you don't place it like a fighter. You know it just shows up somewhere. Well, and the objectives um, are face down in the beginning too, so you can't you can't, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to take objective one and make sure it's right, on my side. Do, right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You can't do that. So, um, I, so that it, there's really little counterplay against that, and so I'm glad that it's still a powerful card. I I think that maybe if you're playing Grimwatch, you still take it. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's the, that one needed to go too. Yeah, so the, of of these two, do you think you you keep any of these? Do you think you still play with these? I think you still play I, with in the name of the king. I think. I think. I think you might, depending on what else you're putting in there. Uh, yeah, I think you might. Yeah. I, I think that they're still very strong doing that, but the thing is, is that you used to be able to do objective stuff and also have enough to like kind of kill some stuff, and I think now that's a little bit harder to do because there's no clear answer as to what to choose. Um, and also, I think that the I think that there might be um, some space now to try to just play them straight aggro. Yeah. Um, you know, like maybe with like amberbone weapons and larval lance and and that kind of stuff uh, to run up the score, uh, maybe. Um, because again, they they don't hit very hard, uh, but they they're 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 decently accurate. Um, and certain guys uh, don't, but certain guys don't hit very hard. The grip goals don't really hit very hard. Mm-hmm. But if you throw an amberbone weapon on them and they kill them, you can just ghoul call them back and they still have the weapon yeah so um yeah i think i think maybe you 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 rock grimwatch kind of a little bit more aggro maybe throw a crown of avarice on one of them or something like that and you know some amberbone weapons you know stuff to increase their accuracy increase their damage yeah that might be fun to try yeah yeah if you've been playing grimwatch the same way since they came out because they were so good now you can try a different strategy and not not feel like you're losing not not feel so like much. you're you're pissing everybody off i'm glad i got my one grimwatch win the 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 cheese way before yeah. they did this because i i don't i don't really want to play them anymore to be mm-hmm. honest with you um all right moving on lady harrow lady harrow was song. very strong but not not too many people played them yeah but they were um, incredibly good 
Well, they they also got they also restricted the one card that makes a lot of sense to restrict because actually it's super easy to score. Yeah. Um, I always thought it was pretty easy to score before. Let's, let's read uh, this one out. Let me let me pull it up. Go no, go ahead because they changed okay. it in the FAQ a little bit. Yeah. Well, the the things they changed in the FAQ were they they kind of just made it easier. They actually made it easier to score, to score. Yeah. or they clarified things. Uh, so one, it's the the card is called One Will. It's a surge dual objective, and it says score this immediately if your warband holds one or more even number objectives, and your warband holds one or more odd number objectives. So it's it's very similar to uh, Shifting Madness in that it's kind of difficult to play against because you have no idea what number the objective tokens are going to be as you're placing them. Right. And it's a surge that you can just get by standing on the objectives. Right. But here's the cool thing about it. And this is what I was trying. Like, I thought I was being an asshole arguing that you can do it this way. Like, it's just like whenever you draw this, you can score it. You don't have to wait for anything because it doesn't actually have like a, a window on it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say after an activation or, you know, after a move action or anything or in an end phase, it doesn't say anything like that. It just says, right. if you're standing, you get it. Yeah. Temporary one. victory has that. It's after an activation. After an right? Activation. Yeah. right. This, but this one doesn't have that wording in it. Now, I don't know if that was a mistake or not, but it, but the, but the fact of the matter is rules is written. It doesn't actually have that. So I was always saying, if I draw this up, you know, after I stood on the stuff, if I draw this up during an end phase, even. I should yeah. be able to score it because it because the conditions are satisfied. And so um, and so people are like, nah, you can't do that. You have to wait. And so I was playing games where, you know, like I would be standing on that stuff. I would draw up one will in the end phase and then I wouldn't win the roll off. And then my opponent would go first and knock one of the Lady Harrows off. Mm-hmm. And then so then I had to like get back onto it or maybe I just didn't score it. And so there were a couple of instances. I'm not talking like a lot, but there was like it happened at least once or twice. Um, and so it turns out I was right. Yeah. You can score it literally any time yeah. that card is in your hand and you're standing on the objectives. That makes sense. You can score it in the end phase. You can score it. Uh, you don't even need to be playing the game. I'm just going to put two objectives down on my kitchen table, put two little lady harrows on there and score it. Yeah, you just I'm, called me up while I'm in the, the middle dishes. of the day. You're like, Hey Randall, like... I just scored one will. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, just to be clear, if you look at a card like Temporary Victory, it says Scourge. I'm oh, sorry, Surge. Scourge? Score this. <laughs> Surge. It's fair. Score this no, immediately after an activation if your Warband holds three or more objectives. So one thing yeah, that you couldn't do was you right. couldn't say uh, Beyond 2 and then in the power phase, like, sidestep one of your guys onto it and then score right. it right then. You'd you have, have to, to wait, wait until after an activation happens. Over, but with so one will, it doesn't say that. It just says. There's no counterplay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just says score this immediately if you are holding both. So you could sidestep onto it. You could, yeah, you could draw. So it that's a new why it needs and... to be restricted. Yeah, yeah, there has and to they be some that. negative they, to taking it. Yeah, they confirm that in the designer's commentary that you, yeah. you, you can in fact do that when, yeah. So, all right, restrict it. Mo- moving on, uh, Frothgorn. We hardly knew you, man. Oh man, I feel so bad. If Frothgorn was a person. I'd feel really, really bad for for Hrothgorn because they I, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't so strong, so so strong, <laughs> and then just got cut down before they got to do anything official. Um, so uh, so unexpected cunning is now uh, restricted. 
Uh, that was the one where you you play three power cards. Well, that one says surge. Score this immediately after playing your third or subsequent power card in the same phase. <clears throat> it's not so. even a ploy. It's not even like uh, the one from the spoilers where you have to. They have to be ploys. Right. Right. Like the, this just said power card. Yeah, and it's in the whole activation phase. So you right. could pull, you know if you do play you two play in the first activation and then one in the last activation. Right. You score this, Oof. and it's a, and it's a Yuck. surge. You still take it. Yeah. I I think well I don't know. There's a lot of cards know, unless, that are restricted. Unless I mean, it's, yeah, I know. Unless like in, unless it doesn't fit, but I, I I mean I don't think it's a bad choice. It's not. Yeah, um, it's a super nah. easy to score one glory surge card. Yeah, and you know, like people people will take a damage to do that with calculated risk. So, I mean, this you don't even have to take a damage for. Uh, right. There's like very little drawback. Um, all right. And then uh, and with, like, things like frenzied oh, search yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, you could just get the cards. You oh, yeah. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You could you could um, frenzied search counts as a card to play and then you draw mm -hmm. three more and you right. could potentially get those. So, yeah, it was right. it's 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 extremely good. Yeah. And then and we have could, a tough could, and hide. could still see it. Yeah. Come on, Randall. I'm moving on oh, to the next sorry, one. Go we ahead. got tough and hide. And this one is needs to be restricted um because when you when you put something like eldritch ward or something on yothari or if you put the eldritch ward on you know even storm sire you know that's already kind of a bummer because then you really have to hit that fighter at least two times successfully and hard to kill them but on a six wound fighter you'd have to hit him that that's like that's like three or four you know activations successful attacks just to get the damn thing down um tough and hide needed to be restricted that is very powerful with that particular warband yeah and people were playing <clears throat> you know because there were so few cards you know there weren't any cards that were restricted for his faction people were playing sudden growth and oh man you know and you'd get up to like nine health sometimes Oh yeah, and then he would, you know, throw a, you know, a, a survival instincts, and it was just yeah. like impossible. Um, I still think you take this one. I think if you're playing Hrothgorn, it's just it's so good. Yeah, probably. Uh, all right, especially if you're planning on being aggro, if you're like getting him out in, in the mix, um, I think you have to take it. Um, let's see. Uh, uh oh, man, Randall, what they do to your thorns? Uh, two things. Oh man, God, tell us. Well, they restricted the card uh, Sudden Appearance. And this is probably <clears throat> the best card that, best, like, infaction card that Thorns had. This just allowed you to, what? So, go ahead. Yeah, maybe Howling Vortex, depending on the matchup. But yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, I'll, I'll get to that. But I think Sudden Appearance yeah. was the best card that they had because it just allowed you to pick up any of your fighters. And it wasn't restricted to, let's say, just the Briar Queen or, or Varklav and mm -hmm. put them on any starting hex. But yeah. it, a lot of people used it with the Briar Queen because it was like, you can, if somebody was standing next, if your opponent had a, a model that was next to a starting hex, then yeah. you could play this in at the end of their turn. You know, they, they activate, and then you play Sudden Appearance, and then you put the, you place the Briar Queen right next to them, and then the, the Briar Queen would become inspired when it, when it became yeah. your turn, and you could attack right away as as an inspired fighter and the briar queen right. gets really, you know, she, she goes to three damage when, um, inspired. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it was, uh, you could also use it the other way where you can make like a charge that was a little maybe like a little ill-advised, but you're safe because you can just sudden appearance out. When you're yeah, and there, or you could use it on like a, a chain rasp mm-hmm. to get like in the back of the board and then on, on your opponent's power phase and then use Varklov to like push them onto the objective. There were so many things or, you could do with it. Yeah, right. it, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the the main reason they restricted it was because of the the Briar Queen and our and there there wasn't really too much you could do to There's stop that. Well, no, no, you could like the, you just. Well, had I mean, to, you it, could play like sidestep afterwards or distraction afterwards if you had. It. Well, you actually you needed to have both. Like you needed to have a way to get two away from her because she has range two. Uh, or you could you could stop her from inspiring. You I could guess stop her from would, inspiring. Right. Yeah. But like you either needed to have like distraction and sidestep, or you needed to like be able to put like a great fortitude on your guy, like in the power phase before they attack you or something like that. And it was, it was pretty impressive and it allowed you to just um, sort of keep your briar queen in the back of the board until you really needed her. And then she can come out and is already inspired and then probably kill somebody. And then you throw an upgrade on her. Yeah. I, Um, I love when cards names are exactly what they do in the game. Yeah. That's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun, right? Um, anyway, because they, they do, she just suddenly appeared. And I'm yeah. just sitting in the back going like, all right, I got time. Nope. Yeah, but nope. it was always, I always thought it was funny playing against you. And I'd be like, you know, just randomly during the activation round, I'd be like, loading her up. Yeah, well, I'd be like, <laughs> I put great strength on the Briar Queen. And you'd be like, oh, Why? no, you'd be like, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> like my Briar Queen's all the way in the back corner or whatever. And I'm like, I I put great strength. I put this. And you're, <laughs> and you're like, oh, God. And then uh, you just start looking at all the 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 um starting hexes on your board yeah who do i want to say oh boy yeah and then you're like Uh, and then you like look at at some guy who's like you don't even know who i'm gonna attack but you start looking at your own guys you're like i play great fortitude on this guy i'm like yeah all right well i mean you know i just want to they the counterplay is still pretty light yeah and then pretty light on that to to finish this off i think you're that every Every Thorns deck is still going to play this. I don't think I don't yeah, see any reason really to take it out. Good. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's so, uh, it's so you know I because I at, at the end of like the Night Vault season I was playing um, was it Illusory Fighter and everything because I just love that card mm-hmm. and um, I, I just there was so much I could do with it and that's not as strong as this because no. Illusory Fighter just brings you back. This could bring you in. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, I, I sudden appearance is just very very good. Especially in that warband, there's just so much stuff you could do with it. Uh, and you were talking Vortex. about Howling Vortex. Yeah, um, I mean, ha- I understand that there's like you have to roll. You know, it's a 50-50 that it goes off. But I mean, man, it, it's it's like you can distract your entire opponent's warband. Yeah, it probably should have been really either a, a double lightning. Yeah, or, I think. But, it was, well, a yeah. double lightning is still like about a 50-50. Okay. It's a little less. Sure. It's like forty eight percent. Um, it, or or either even a double focus. It probably would have been too hard to to get that. But the, the thing about it, uh, the, I think the reason they chose to do to to restrict sudden appearance over howling vortex is because it it does require a dice roll and right. you only have yeah. one wizard in your right warband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see that. I see that. Um, All right, that's cool. Talk so about the talk about the claw. Okay, so yeah, this is not a restricted card. This is like just a. This is an errata, this is an errata yeah. that we're deciding to put in this errata? section. Errata. Errata. So that they're 
we're deciding to put in this section just because we're talking about Thorns of the Briar Queen. So Varklav um, had his character card changed. Got the nerf. Th- that says he can only do his activation once per round. Well, his action, yeah. Yeah, or right. yeah, his action. Yeah, sorry. So his special action where he gets to push all of the chain rasps to hexes, um, he can only use that once per activation round. Yeah. I and, mean, oh, go ahead. That's, that's still pretty great. If you think about what that, like the action economy on that has been toned down, but I mean, if you think about it, you're still double sidestepping five of your fighters three times a game. Right. It's great. Yeah, it is it is really good and the I'm not like too upset about this as a Thorns player and I understand why it happened. Um but typically, you know, you wouldn't use Varklav's activation or action more than once in a round. Um there there would be there are two reasons why you would do it and it would be if if somebody was playing in the extreme back of the board and you really needed to get to them. Um, which sort of wasn't as important later on once they made cards like Temporary Victory where you needed to just be on the objectives most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did end up using it a lot against Grimwatch just to like shove all my guys into their side of the board so they wouldn't inspire. Um, right. But, you know, other than that, it, it, you typically wouldn't use it more than once. And then the other time you would use it more than once is if your opponent... Um, managed to play cards that brought you off of the objectives and you know it'd be you know it's kind of frustrating when you like have these cards in your hand you're like okay i'm going to distraction you off that objective and they're like okay I just put all my guys right back on the objective right you know yeah and i think it's you know I, you know obviously it's a nerf to my favorite faction but i think it's important to that th- those cards should matter for where your opponents when a, your opponent plays cards that they put in their deck specifically to disrupt your strategy that 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 should matter and you shouldn't just yes. be able to get out of it really you know for just one activation I think. yeah and i think that a lot of the choices that gw makes is specifically for that so that the counterplay is still there right and so that uh you know and, and to, you know just to like to keep things balanced um and i feel like uh, you know, people are going to be, you know, just, just in general, my two cents, I feel like people are going to be trying new things and trying, you know, like, uh, I, th- I think more warbands are going to become more viable because of all of these changes. I think that they're the way to go. I will talk about that more later. Um, and I think you now it, it, uh, it you need to play uh, drifting advance and yeah, because it gives you the same. It's the same thing, right? You move on. Well, yeah, a little bit. It's it's you you have to drifting advance. You play as a ploy, and you play it, and you have to move all of your chain rasps two hexes towards the closest fighter. Okay, so but it's so it's a softer version of the Varklav because you yeah. have to go in one direction. You have to go forward, basically. Yeah, you can't just move them backwards onto the objective. But okay. if you want, if you're in that situation where you need to right. get to your opponent or you need to get to objectives on their side of the board. I think this card, a lot of people weren't playing with this card um, in the, in the later port or the early point of uh, beast grave. But I think it, it it's definitely uh, an auto include. Now I think you need that since, uh, since I've yeah. got adjusted like this. I gotcha. All right. Uh, let's see. And uh, moving on to thunder buddies, uh, harness the storm. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, this is kind of like sudden appearance where you're just going to take it anyway, even though they restricted it. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I I did. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's it's just the best card, basically. It's it's, it's just it is a glory. You will definitely score every time. Every time. Have have you ever seen or played with the Curse Breakers and failed to do every spell? You're going to get at least one spell off every action phase. Yeah, it's just a free glory, free glory. Free moving through your deck, do it. But it's gonna, right. you know, now that they've restricted it, it's gonna, you're gonna have to drop one more restricted card in your deck, which is, it's fine. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of really what the pain in the butt there is. Um, all right. So, uh, moving on, there was actually two things that were removed off of the uh, restricted list. This has happened before with Fired Up, and, and now we're seeing it happen with uh, Sorceress Flourish and Loner. Mm-hmm. I'll start with uh, Sorceress Flourish. Um, you know, I, I find this card to be very similar to Snare. And Snare is not restricted. So I, I assume that this is fine because there you can only use it in particular decks. You have to be able to, you know, be throwing spells that deal damage specifically. Um, so obviously, you know, Vortimus throws it back in, Yothari throws it back in, but of course the curse breakers are gonna throw it in. Mm-hmm. Um I think that goes in now. Um so yeah. Yeah, this I'm, is I'm a reaction. See. Play this after resolving a spell cast by a friendly fighter that damaged one or more enemy fighters. Choose one of those fight- fighters, and the, and that fighter suffers one damage. Yeah, and and remember, it still has to land, so it's the same thing as like snare. You have to be a hunter. You have to land the thing, and then you add a damage. So it, it is kind of similar to that. And if it, I, I think that the since it only is, it's not like pit trap where you can put it in any deck. You yeah. know. It, it's uh you have to have it in a particular warbands uh you know uh deck um so uh and, and the same thing with with uh with snare so I, I i i see why they brought it off the list yeah and i i, I definitely think this that. will find its way into a lot of um curse breaker decks yep now that um you know they're gonna have to drop a couple of uh restricted cards yep in order to play frenzied search and um, harness the storm. Right. Okay. So there's that. And then, uh, the, and then there was loner. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe at the, t- w- w- why did they take loner? So, on loner. The I, I feel like loner was in one of the early night vault expansions. I can't remember exactly which one. I, 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 could look I remember it up, when it, they put it on it, like I didn't really know what the card was. Like that's how new it was. Oh, it's in and, Eyes of the Nine. Okay. So oh, and yeah. I remember, you know, shortly after um you know, after the Shade Spire season had wrapped up and then we were getting into the Night Vault season and they came out with the first adjustments after Eyes of the Nine and I think it was Goblins were what it was, was the, the gets, yeah. yeah. Um there was still that whole uh, Steelheart, you know, sit in the back and do nothing style of gameplay that yep. was still still pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they put it on there just so that that style of play would be less appealing to people. But yeah, at, at this point, a lot of people don't play that. Right. Um, so I... I, I... I can only see a couple of instances where loner's a good idea. I think it's a better idea if you're playing um I think Grimwatch could could probably use it because they can ghoul call something into the corner and just like kind of score it at the end. 
um, Eyes of the Nine because they can place, you know, the Blue Horror somewhere. Um, and then they also have a lot of like cards that move them around. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you you remember what's that one where you can just show you you roll a magic die and you show up somewhere. Oh yeah, there's uh, one for Eyes right. of the Nine where you roll a magic dice, and if you get on a uh, if you roll a a lightning, then you go on like a starting hex, and if not, you go right. on a objective or something like. So, so yeah, so any anyone where you can have like just like things show up, I, I think maybe you play loner if you're playing like the spoilers because you can just throw you know Korsh in the back somewhere on your last one. Uh, but remember, it's like and then uh, oh sorry, the other one I thought was maybe Nurgle because uh, oftentimes Nurgle people run up with Gulgach and uh, Sepsimus, but they leave uh, Fecula in the back. Yeah. Um, although she, although you know, unless you're taking Cryptic Companion now, I don't know why you would do that. Uh, maybe Tell Glories or something like that. Anyway, so uh, and then you know, and then the other two guys are just so, so much of a problem that that she just sits in the back all by herself. So I think that there are a few spots where where you would use it, but I again, there's a lot of stuff that I don't think really, you know, wouldn't use it anyway. Um, the, the the I don't know why Loner was uh, such a problem in the first place. It's not active after an activation. It's not a surge. It's you know, if phase, it was like. Yeah. It's an end phase one glory, and it's like it's a positioning thing. Like I, I, I don't know. I just feel like scrum, for instance, is also like a positioning uh, surge, and that one belongs on a restricted list because, um, you know, that one is it, it's a surge after an activation. You just get it, and and, and it's all based on your positioning. Um, I don't know if loner needs to be there because it's an end phase. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this was just placed on the restricted list early in Night Vault to sort of put the kibosh on the Steelheart passive deck. And I think that's really the only reason why it was on there. And they just never felt like taking it off. And now they sort right. of saw the opportunity to do that. All right. So that's the updates to the, uh, the I think they may, maybe they uh, thought the like group. maybe somebody, you know, higher up, you know, they, they came out with like a draft of the restricted list and then somebody higher up was like, this is too many cards on the restricted list. You got to take some off. And they were like, oh, let's just take this loner off because nobody, nobody, nobody loner, cares. Yeah, but loner never needed to be on there in the first place. I, I really just don't. Th- I, I never thought it was so powerful that it needed to be there. You know, a one glory end phase. Uh, yeah. And then there. also when this was restricted, uh, hit, Hidden Paths was still in the game, too. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. And we don't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. So uh, so that's all the updates to the uh, to the fart. Um, you ready to move on to the designer's commentary? Yeah. All right, Randall, you ready to get into that designer's commentary? Yeah. The fact. Cool. Um, so just side note, uh, here's how, you know, if GW gets mad when you ask them a question, the, like a lot is that when they, uh, when they actually put it into the fact, it's like a monosyllabic answer. So if you if you ask them a question, they're like, no. Or if they're like, yes, then you know that they were like annoyed by that question. Like, can't you just tell by reading the card? (laughs) They're just like, it's obvious, dude. So so you know that the good questions are the ones where they have to, like, explain the situation. Uh, So that's interesting. All right. So let's talk about there's just a lot. There's a lot of pink text in this document. There's a lot of pink text. So we're not going to go through every single one because a lot of them are. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are either too obvious are or they don't really make obvious much of a difference. or it's yeah. Or it's like a card that nobody plays. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, get started talking about do overs. You want to take that one, Randall? Yeah. So I don't know. They, they call it a do over in this game. I call it a mulligan. No. 
from yeah. other from other card games. But the way that they have determined that is um, they they've clarified the the way the the do over rules in your when and the do over is when you decide whether or not you're going to discard cards from your opening hand. And what they've done now is right. they've clarified that you know whoever whoever chooses the first game board decides whether or not they want to do a do over of their hand. But then you don't actually discard those cards until the other player has also decided if they want to do it as well. So I think what what I right. guess what the I, confusion there was sure. like you, you if you place the second game board you could sort of game it to be like you could say oh are are you gonna are you gonna do a do over and then the person would say yes and then they and then they discard the cards you'd pick up those cards in their discard pile and look at them and then you look at your hand and say. No, actually, I'm going to keep my hand now or something like that. Right. So it's not, yeah. So it's not like super balanced if you can do that. Oh, also just side note, because I've had this issue uh, when it's the person who puts down the board first, not the person who won the board roll off. Right. Well, the, the, the yeah, the person first. who won the roll off could make you put your board down. Chooses first. whether to be first or second. Right. Yeah. That's the, um, the, choose the person to who lose. puts down the board first. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so just, just so that, you know, that's how that is. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think that that's what was going this on. This is a fine change. Like checking I mean, other people's hands. Yeah. It's a good change. It's more, just, it makes more it more fair, ordered. Yeah. It's more balanced. It's fairer. Absolutely. Good, good move. GW as most of them tend to be, um, talking about incomplete hexes. Um, and this is definitely something I was screwing up, um, where I was trying to figure out whether, uh, incomplete hexes block line of sight. Um, and yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that it, it, they, they only block line of sight if the, your line of sight goes through the hex, not if it goes along the border, which is different to a block text, a block text, the border of a block text does block line of sight, but the border of an incomplete hex does not. Right. It says unlike a block text, as long as the line only touches the edge of an incomplete hex and doesn't go through the incomplete hex, the incomplete hex doesn't block line of sight. And this happens a lot right. when you do the offset, like diagonal boards. Yeah. Um, or even if you just happen to be on the side of the board. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's and just... so if you notice and if you notice that must have been a really good question because they explained the whole thing. Right. They weren't annoyed by you asking that. They question. weren't annoyed by that. They're like, no, that's that, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Restless prize. Uh, wait, we, we, why, why are we all the way down to restless prize already? I thought we were doing scything attacks. Uh, maybe it's out of order. I don't know, but the, yeah, yeah restless prize. There was always some, you know, that confusion where ca- can I push it through? Can I push the objective through a block text? And it because it doesn't it, say you can't. It doesn't say you can't and. A lot of times that would be really helpful because, you know, you'd want your a lot, you know, a lot of times you need to like move, you know, three or four hexes to get around to the other side if you want to be on the the block text or on the objective marker. So pushing right. it through a, a block text was actually pretty powerful if you could pretty do powerful that. in that particular situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially right. on certain boards that have like the, the, the chains of like three block texts all together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, they've clarified that you can't do that with restless prize. Yeah, but you can't. So screw it. Okay, cool. Um, curse breakers. This is an interesting thing that they threw in. I, I agree with the, the, like 
you know, like the, the, the like the, the, the wording of it, I think that is the correct way to go. Um, so they're talking about uh, how there's a difference between casting a spell and resolving a spell. And right. uh, this is important when it comes to their inspire mechanic, because you need to resolve the spell before they can uh, inspire. Um, so there are a couple of spells that don't resolve right away. Um, so in this is the case of a, a Sphere of Gehur, and also, because I like saying Gehur, I know it's Gur. Uh -huh. um, and then also um, Yara's Instant Shield, because... Um, those two spells don't actually resolve until after dice are rolled or something like that. So they, so what people would do is they, with the, with the curse breakers is that uh, they would cast sphere of her and then they would, you know, run the, that become inspired, in, but they would run them in inspired. Right. Which yeah. is not the way that it worked because they actually don't inspire until after it's resolved, which would be at the die roll. Yeah, it's interesting that they so, put this in the designer yeah. commentary and not the errata. Because the, the yeah. question is, if, if one of my fighters casts a spell, when does that fighter become inspired? And the answer is after the spell has been resolved. So maybe they should have put that, you know, changed the card text on the Curse Breaker cards to be like, this fighter becomes inspired after a spell, after they successfully cast a spell and yeah. it has been resolved. But they chose to put it in the designer commentary. Yeah. Just throw it in there. Yeah. So you're just gonna have to know that. Yeah. Right. But um, it, like it may it, it, it definitely makes sense from like the way that the 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 rules work where you kinda like go down the steps when you you know, mm -hmm. that whenever you attack there's like the different like sub steps you have to go through. Right. Um to score certain cards. Ah. And the way that like reactions I work and stuff like that. But it, it yeah. just seems a little unintuitive. Say again? Yeah. I said I don't think this really takes very much away from them. Yeah, not it's really. really. Only like there's really only like two cards in the game that I can think of where this is like an issue. Um, so you just have to remember that the spell has to complete its functioning before you can flip the card over. Right. So it was basically only okay. Sphere of Gur was like you you would cast it and then you'd run in and get your reroll or your extra dice or whatever. Right. I forgot what it is. Yeah, but you'd be inspired and then you'd get in there and use it. Um, and right. then IR's instant so not, shield, yeah. you would like if somebody attacked you, you could say, okay, I'm using IR's instant shield. Roll the dice to see if you cast it, and then you'd become inspired with Stormsire, who like gets more defense dice. Now and he then, rolls an extra die, right? And then yeah. you re and then you're able exactly. to re-roll that. So like that was pretty powerful. But let's be and, fair about that. Yeah. No, but but let's be fair about that. The chances of that situation actually arising are actually really small, because. Um, First of all, Yara's Instant Shield would have to be in your hand. Second of all, you'd have to have Glory around. Third of all, you'd have to have uh, Stormsire uninspired. Yeah. Fourth of all, you have to put the uh, you have to decide to spend that Glory on Yara's Instant Shield to put on Stormsire, and then on top of that, you'd have to roll a Focus on two dice. So the chances of that actually like oh, and and then somebody has to attack you. Yeah. Right. So the chances of like all seven of those conditions happening simultaneously. I mean, I, I'm sure it happened once or twice, and that's why they're discussing it. But, I mean, it's it's not really – it's such a fringe case. I, I can't imagine that anybody would be bemoaning this. Well, you, you were moaning pretty hard when you were playing Gerard at the at Nova, and you had your – my turn, whatever it was, 
uh, aggressive defense card or whatever. And yeah, because I was wondering. right. That's yeah, why. But, but you were wondering right about, about like that. it was it was a it was a corner case. It was a fringe case, and uh, you, yeah. and, and it was about the timing of when a fighter becomes inspired, like midway through an action. I'm more pissed or, because it didn't go my way. Right, but like you know, the, I'm glad that they put this in there to clarify. Yeah, it that. needs to be in there. And yeah, it's, I mean, that, that's why they show up. But I mean, I just I don't think it's going to be a huge impact on on people's choosing to like play curse breakers. Right. And I think it's important to, to have this in there. And I think it makes sense when you really break it down. But it's going to be it, it, it's not really that like intuitive. It, it doesn't really make sense. You'd be like, especially with Sphere of Gehur, it's like, uh, yeah, I casted this spell. Right. But like it doesn't resolve until like after I, I attack or whatever. So like, I mean, right. It makes sense, but yeah. it's kind of kind of weird when in practice. And if that makes you mad, just don't play Spear of Gur. Yeah, that's it. It's it's not even All right. like a essential card for them, really. It's, it's good, but it's not like yeah, you know, I, have, I, I used to can... use it when I had I used to use it when I had less choices. But now there's a lot more choice and I don't yeah. think that you take it anymore. Um, it's not as it's not as strong as other stuff. Um, all right. Uh, we already talked about Banshee's One Will, so we can skip that. Okay. Okay. Um, and then similar to what we were talking about with the Curse Breakers, Inspire Conditions, um, no matter when it happens during the activation, the entire action that's happening, the entire thing needs to be resolved. So this is also like has to do with like, uh, you know, scything attacks on things that, uh, you know, like if you got a scything attack on um, on like Magors for some reason, like maybe you had like Mighty Swing, which doesn't exist yeah. anymore, you know, and you and you land a hit, um, Magor would have to finish the scything attack before he inspires. Yeah. So the entire super action has to occur before that. Yeah, that, that's yeah, similar it's to after the, the entire well. action, super action or activation is resolved. And the the yeah, the 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 examples they give in the FAQ are the IR's instant shield thing for a storm sire and then mm -hmm. also scritch being chosen with counter charge. Right. Like if he if he is chosen as a if you if somebody charges one of your guys and then you choose scritch as the target of a ploy counter charge. Right. And he moves in there, then he won't actually become inspired until after the whole action is completed. Right, because on the counter charge, you can actually change your target if you want. Yeah. Right. Um, another possible situation where this would be the case is uh, uh, I can see Vortimus charging. I don't know why they would do this. Charging and shooting a range three attack next to Kacharik. Yeah. But or, I don't know why that would matter. Or playing like a spell. Yeah, pl playing a spell Something. and then having it like not actually resolve until you know, like like if if Vortimus plays Sphere of Gur, and then yeah. you know it wouldn't resolve until after he, somebody attacked, so you wouldn't inspire Kacharik right away. Right. Anyway, it, it, there are some situations where this becomes relevant, so just uh, keep an eye out on uh, for it. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, talking about quarries, uh, you are still a quarry if you're dead. If the quarry maker is still alive, so that right. means that if you're playing against Rothgorn or uh, Valreek with that upgrade, mm -hmm. she's got nose. this upgrade that makes her Hunter's Nose, which makes her, uh, which which does the same thing that Rothgorn does. Um, then, um, even if your guy's out of action, they're still considered a quarry because there are some objectives that score off of killing quarries. Right. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's why. 
yeah, they, they wanted to make sure that, uh, yeah, this could, this is uh, exists already for some cards, and then maybe there are some cards in the future that yeah. they're coming out with that might work on this mechanic. But yeah, if you if you were made into a quarry and then you you died, then you're still a quarry for the purposes of objectives and other until Hrothkorn triggers. Is dead. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so there you go. Um, Bushwhacker's trap. Yeah, there was a um, bunch of stuff about him. Yeah, so much stuff. But here's the most important thing: the trap is goes off first. It well, it if the trap right? goes off so first, no then the lethal hex on. is the and important the lethal, part. Of it. Then so, whatever else is going on, right? This, this the, is important. The trap is the first thing because, like, if you if if you take your bushwhacker and you drop the trap in a lethal hex, and then you let's say center of attention or distraction your opponent fighter into right. the that hex then the trap would trigger first and then the lethal hex and that's important for certain um you know objective cards right i think it's called uh, by, i think like, it's uh, unexpected pitfall i think it's called right because if it kills you with the the because since the trap is not a lethal hex and it's not like a gambit um you know it uh if that kills the fighter um, then the lethal hex didn't actually ever do anything, so you can't score it off of the uh, you can't score it score it off of that. Right. And I can see people using that because both of those two things are you know if you're playing Hrothgorn, you might actually use yeah. those two. Cards. Well, that was uh, that, yeah, that, it's, that, in, that it's in it's in Hrothgorn set. It's a it says yeah. unexpected pitfall says right. surge hybrid score this immediately after an enemy fighter is taken out of action by a lethal hex. So if you have if you right like put the trap in the lethal hex and then distraction them in there, then you will score that card because the trap will go off first and then the lethal hex damage. Right. But if the trap kills the guy, then lethal hex damage never was applied. Right. Correct. Right. And you wouldn't score it. So it's yeah. important to know that the, the, the trap comes first. And all the other stuff about Bushwhacker's trap was kind of no brainer stuff. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, the card Seeping Rot. Uh, this is a weird one. Um, in fact, I, I would actually... You, you go yeah, ahead pull, and do this I'll while I go find it on the, on the thing. So yeah. Seeping Rot says, um, um, this, Surge, score this immediately when a friendly fighter holding an objective is the target of an attack action and is not driven back if that fighter survives. And this, okay. is, this was a kind so, of a popular card, you know, just because the... You know, the the, the uh, Nurgle didn't have too many good objectives at all in their deck, and then this one was, like, one of their only Surge cards that seemed pretty reasonable. Yeah, it was, like, decent. Yeah. Um, and so, basically, if you're attacked and, and like, and, and you're not driven back, then you're able to score this card. And there were certain things that... There were certain, like, right. reactions or, you know, uh, upgrades or cards or whatever... That would potentially, like, say, after you attack somebody, you can push them one hex or something like that. And then they've clarified that as long as you, right. you know, have met the... Well, what does it say? It says... Um, yeah, as long as you meet the condition, like, like right after the entire attack sequence is over, yeah. you actually do score it right there. Yeah, before and any reactions happen. Afterward. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think what happened was people were saying, yeah, but I pushed you off the objective with this card. 
and it's like, oh, I guess I don't score this. No, no, you actually do because you check for the uh, you check the, the the card before the right when the goes. attack is over. Not you check for right. the card right as soon as the attack is over, not um, after any reactions happen afterwards. Yes. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, this was a, it was a kind um, of a confusing card. I remember running into this a couple times actually yeah. when playing against them. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, Maddening Cackle. Yep. Uh, so Maddening Cackle is the one that that's a Thorns card, which you'd use on me when I was playing. I was playing my uh, Molog into your Thorns, and uh, I hated you for this. Yeah. But um, it was good. It, actually, what's what's good about it though is that uh, because in at Nova. The one time I played Thorns, it was Dean Bills, who's uh, been on the show a long time ago, and uh, and I finally got to play him, and uh, man, did he madden and cackle me all over the place because yep. I was playing Moloch, and, <laughs> uh, and I, I'd like to say I tied him in one game. Uh, he just he was playing Thorns, so he had two standing more objectives, so technically he won that game, and then I came really close to to giving him a problem in the second game, so I did as best as I could against. Dean Bills, a championship Grand Clash, double, dual Grand Clash winner, um, it's at least three-time Grand Clash finalist, and um, and and I, I feel as though the games where you would maddening cackle my uh, my Moloch, and I had to kind of like see if I can play around that really helped me out. I still hated you for it though. Right. So the 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 every the, time the change here is if you let's say you have a fighter that gains a scything attack. Um, be, for being inspired, so like Septimus, yep. Stabit, and Scaith, and Malag, right? right? They they all yeah they all yeah, gain I, the I, what? I don't remember ever doing that attack with Malag, but yes, yeah. So they they gain an inspire they they gain a scything attack when they are inspired. They don't have it when they're uninspired. So right. the 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 whole um, FAQ question here is like if. If I start my scything attack, you know, you declare all your targets and you go roll, like, let's say you have three people in front of you and you want to attack all three of them with your scything attack and you miss with the first attack. Technically, the, the Thorns player could play Maddening Cackle right then. Yeah. You, be, you, yeah, you become uninspired and then the, the, the whole attack sequence just ends right there. Yeah, you don't you don't get you, to you attack the you other can't two side anymore yeah, yeah exactly and and you have to have that ability to make additional attacks and you no longer have that ability yeah so good night sweet prince uh you got cacked yeah i don't know I hate it's it's the, I, we just thought that one was kind of interesting it's it's a pretty corner case but it might happen it just yeah, makes madden cackle even better than yeah, it was before interaction yeah all right. Uh, yeah. No, I think I I definitely think you take that one if you're playing thorns. Uh, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, Gits. Gits. Uh, you cannot inspire Snurk if you chose to do the scurry because right. they actually share the same reaction window. Yeah, the scurry is a reaction to someone moving and next Snurk to is... somebody else, and Snurk says right. his Snurk reaction, reaction to somebody doing an yeah. action. So, so it's the same window. So you can't like scurry five guys around and then also inspire, uh, inspire Snurk at the same time. Yep. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty important. That's important, especially if you're playing gets. So Jimmy Molini knows about this, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, cause you know, he's been playing those Amberbone gets to extreme effects. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Uh, Spike Claw Swarm. We talked about this already, right? Because the the ploy thing with countercharge and we mentioned that already, right? It's the same kind of thing as the sphere of her interaction with Thunder Buddies and the inspiring. Right. If talk- you have a, a ploy that you have to wait until the entire ploy is resolved before the person becomes inspired with Spike Claw Swarm. Right. If you have a okay, ploy that you gives you if, you, if you choose a fighter for with a ploy, and it has sort of like a like a delayed reaction, you have to wait until it fully resolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's like yeah, it's like we said before. All right, moving on. Uh, hardest tongue twistery name to say in the game: Quintox Combative Cantrips. Um, I was using this, uh, in my Thunder Buddies, my lost page is Thunder Buddies, and I would throw it on there to try to score a magical storm. Are you allowed to spam it? Yes, you are, sir. You can quintock to your heart's desire. You don't need a target. And that was definitely an, uh, a, a discussion I, I had with a couple of people on Vassal. About well, yeah, so Quint- Quintock's Compatible Cantrip says it's a spell action for one focus. It says focus, if, yeah. if cast... Push one adjacent enemy fighter up to one hex, then give the caster one guard token, then push the caster up to one hex. So you're right. saying it, you don't it need to have the enemy fighter. an enemy fighter, right? So you don't have to have a target. Yeah, you don't, you don't have so to have an adjacent use... enemy to you. You can just keep doing this over and over again while and nobody's near you, and you and you can score a magical storm and stuff like that, or yep. um, harness the storm, something like that. Right. Or uh, magical supremacy, but yeah. not magical mastery because that card is just too hard to score. Oh, that's and, where uh, you have to do six. Or oh something my god! And... So yeah, it's like oh, six. Okay. It's like a lot. Four, four is tough. Like four is actually tough, and I've definitely had situations where I'll get three, and then like the last one just doesn't go off. But six, yeah, nah. I don't this think I spell ever, action. I might too. have gotten it to go once, like, and I and I I tried it out for a long time. I, I really don't think it's a good card to use, even if you're doing thunder buddies and you have all the stuff um so but that's good so the quintox thing is really good and i i, I kind of like that you're able to do that and you know what it's tough to do anyway because you still have to roll a focus so um you know and it's an action it yeah and it's an action it takes an activation like i don't think i think it's already pretty pretty balanced okay um moving on uh last one actually oh man we got through this quick uh because we just like didn't do all the stuff that didn't matter uh, quickening greaves. There are some people out there playing dug in, and whereas I think the ghoul call does not let you score dug in because that happens after the roll. Quickening greaves actually is before the roll for the round, so it does work for dug in. Yeah, let me let me read this out. So quickening greaves says yeah, in each round you can do one of the following: push this fighter up to one hex before the roll to determine who has the first activation. Yeah, that, that or, language is very specific. Yeah, or push this yeah. fighter one hex after the final power step. Right. So you can technically, like, if you you can push somebody onto an objective before now the dice roll three. happens, and then they right. count for for scoring so any ones where like they needed to be on there from the previous round or something like that. And and dug in is like a big score, right? It's like three or four or something like that. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. That's but you have to have supremacy two rounds in a row, right? Yes. Yeah. So that I, I understand that being, it should be four. That's like really tough to do. If you can get three for supremacy four for having supremacy twice in a row, that's like, and also if you don't get it in round two, you're screwed. 
right? So I understand that being a lot of points, but um, yeah, but I like that Quickening Greaves can can do that. It makes the the dug in choice a little bit easier because now you have something that can help you with it. I, I think it just opens that card up a little bit more. Maybe. Yeah. Quickening Greaves was great in the you know hold objectives meta. Yeah. I mean, I was using it with my with my uh, with my Thundrix when I was playing with them because I had a little bit of I had a little bit of hold objective like baked in. Yeah, and you out. can yeah yeah. So it's it's nice that they they've clarified that it it happens you know since it happens before the dice roll to determine who goes first that I guess that is the the dice roll to determine who goes first in the round is sort of technically the start of the round. Yeah. They've, they've sort of right. established that. So they're, so they're on it at the start of the round. Okay. All right. So overall, Randall, hot take. What do you got? What do you think about uh, the changes that they made, the clarifications they made? What do you think? Uh, I think the restricted list update is awesome. Um, the, the fact that we're now restricting um, specific Warbands cards, I think that's nice. And I think it, it and I, you know, I said it before, it's, it, it allows them to make targeted adjustments without having the collateral damage on the, the warbands that didn't, that, that actually stand to lose a lot more um, than the ones that they're actually trying to, to nerf. Um, and then the, 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 the designer commentaries, it's all right. I mean, nothing too. Nothing too groundbreaking here. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I think that this is really great for the game, actually, because uh, I I think it's gonna make the t you know you know how people like go around they say like oh this is S tier this is A tier this is B tier this is D tier I think that what's gonna end up happening because of this because they're finally doing the right thing and trying to balance the factions themselves in a way. Um, I think what's going to happen is that, you know, the highs are not going to be, you know, the things that are really high up on that tier list are not going to be as high and the things that are very low on the tier list are not going to be as low because a lot of times when they were doing, as you said, you know, the, the, the universals, you know, you take a universal out, there's collateral damage and, you know, you take away something about magic and yeah, Thunder Buddies come down, but then so does Eyes of the Nine. This way it, it, it brings them kind of like um, in, in music, there's a, there's a, something that you can do to uh, your your file, which is called compression, where um, all like the really, really high frequencies and all the really, really low frequencies are kind of like pushed to the center or eliminated. And I think that that's what's going to end up happening to the game. And that makes me really excited because that means that you can like kind of dig back to season one or season two to things you didn't think were that great. But now there's just not this oppressive a and s tier warband group where it's like if you want to win at a tournament you have to take rothgorn you have to take gw you have to take um thunder buddies you have to take uh lady harris now you kind of don't yeah maybe you can get in there with eyes of the nine maybe you can get in there with uh you know fire slayers or something we don't know and and actually this is uh my key to salvation the best time everybody to try old stuff and see if it works is right after they drop a fart. I mean, sorry, the for the the, the forsaken and restricted tech, right after they they release those things. This is exactly when you go and tinker with that warband that you like, just because you like the aesthetic of them. 
maybe you just really love, you know, you know, Fire Slayers, Zach Newcomb. I know you're out there, buddy. Yeah. Go get those Fire Slayers, pull them back out because they might actually be much more competitive now than they were, you know, even two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the, the the higher tier warbands have definitely there. been taken down a peg and a lot of people are just trying a lot of new things. And yeah. this is the best time to... This is the best time to try those those older warbands, you know, if you really like them, because the the meta is sort of all over the place right now. Yep. Um, and then the the higher tier warbands are a little bit less powerful as people are trying to figure out what what works. Um, you know, yep. in a couple months from now, when we you know, you know, a couple weeks before the next uh, update comes out, the meta will sort of have settled at that point. And, I wonder, know. and I, sorry, and, and it, it's my hope that they finally did the thing where they, they restrict the faction specifics, and they're not going to have to mess around with the for the, the 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 fart list as much. And 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 there's going to be much more balance to the game, and there's going to be much more um, uh, much more variety in what you see at uh, at tournament play, because it, this might be the thing that they should have done, you know all the way back a long time ago to make sure that they don't have these like high tier war bands. I, I, I just really, I wonder if this is like the, you know, the, you know, the, the, if this, this is, is the, the turning antidote. point. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, like, like time will tell. And I've, I've had issues in the past where I've said grandiose statements and been really, really wrong. So um, I'm going to kind of pull back on that a little bit and just say, I really hope that this change that they made is the antidote to that tier system. So that's me hedging my bets, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, but really everybody go out there and go pull far striders out or something like that. Michael Carlin already did, did pretty good. Um, and, uh, and yeah, get in there, try something out, try something new. Now's the best time. All right. So uh, I think we did it. Yep. Randall, it's so great to be back and doing this with you. I, I, I missed it. Like we, we haven't really had anything to talk about for a while, which is why we hadn't been around. It wasn't because we couldn't. We had plenty of time on our hands. Yeah. Just nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So uh, hopefully they'll they'll drop some stuff uh, soon. They'll drop another fart. No, it's they'll, they'll drop the the next two. No, hopefully uh, they drop the two. Yeah, exactly. Get, yeah, we can get going on those. I can't wait. I, I want some snake ladies. Yeah. You know? I want some big old orcs. They're, the, big old the, the, orcs. This game has been missing orcs for, for too a good long. Orc. Yeah, exactly. All right, so what are you, you going to do the orcs? I'll do the snake ladies? I guess. All right. Or we'll Sounds Rochambeau good. for it. I'm not Rochambeauing you. For okay, it. all right. The snake lady. Don't worry about it. All right, so uh, so I guess we're good. We did it. All right, so uh, for Battle for Salvation, uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, um, you know, I haven't said this in a while, but it's always a good idea. Go and, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on iTunes now. Um, Spotify you know, now. We're on Spotify. Us. We're on Spotify? Yeah. All right. Cool. We can get a fraction of a penny every time you guys uh, uh do okay. that or less it's like even less than that isn't it um okay anyway but yeah and of course actually really important and i don't know if you guys have been doing this out there but um whenever you have a uh a, you know a podcast that you're listening to um it's a really good idea to just go really really quickly and just throw a rating on there um 
five stars, of course, because we are super professional about this. Um, so just like throw down one of those, put a little comment. What it does is it makes us more, um, makes us more visible. Um, so that when people are searching for something that's Warhammer Underworlds related, uh, they're more likely to find us or your other favorite podcasts. I mean, we know what, what they are and they're all good. So, um, so make sure that you, everybody's going out there and doing that, uh, really, really helps and keeps us, uh, putting our content down. Nah, just kidding. We would do it anyway. Right. Yeah. We're not getting paid for this. We're just having fun. All right. So, uh, so there you go. So thanks everybody out there. Enjoy your tinkering. And, uh, so this is Max Bernstein. I'm Randall Slate. And we'll see you all next time.